Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, exciting stuff coming your way. The biggest thing is Uncharted Staff Drama Conference. That's in Kansas City, August 21st through the 24th. It is a full-on Uncharted Conference. Everything to do with staff, with training, with growing, developing, educating, dealing with toxic behaviors, handling clients, training for effectiveness in the exam room, on and on and on. Guys, we have a full suite of instructors lined up. You can see them all at unchartedvet.com slash staff dash drama dash 2019. Or just head over to unchartedvet.com, click on conferences, and then staff drama. But the amazing Brandon Hess, Jade Velasquez, Bash Hallow, myself, Jamie Holmes, Debbie Hill, Asaya Clement, and the list goes on and on. We've got a great crowd. It is going to be amazing. Don't let this conference fill up without you. Head over to unchartedvet.com. Get registered for the conference. Get in the community and start taking advantage of the awesomeness of Uncharted. With that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie Easy Does It Goss. <laughs> How's it going, guys? How's it going, Andy? It's really good. I got something super fun for us today. It came through the mailbag. We can, uh, we can do some good. Let me read you what I got. Awesome. I'm super excited. All right. So this is an anonymous message coming in. Here's the gist of it. And I think the problem is not that someone's going to guess who this is. The problem is that 800 people are going to think that it's written about them and they're all going to send us messages saying, Are you talking about me? Was that you're talking about me? All right. That's that's fantastic. What you got? Totally. All right. So we've got a practice and, um, we had a receptionist that was there for 10 years plus working at the front desk. And this person was promoted up to practice manager or office, quote, quote unquote office manager, uh, okay. practice manager. So the person is uh, comes up from reception up into uh, management. They do not have um, any management training experience necessarily. Uh, this manager tries but is struggling to get the team to do the things they need to do and she's struggling to do the things that she needs to do so simple things like monthly meetings instilling protocols getting an employee handbook up and going you know the clinic has a she says a few good people who work their butts off and a few who sit around on theirs so I've brought this up to the office manager numerous times. She will not speak to the individuals who are slacking and says she doesn't want to micromanage. Mm. It's getting to the point where I'm absolutely thinking about finding a new job if this doesn't change. What do we do in these situations? My boss is not a confrontational person and turns a blind eye to the situation. I've tried to talk to him about it and get nowhere. All right. Oh, man. I can totally see why you said everyone is going to be sitting there and thinking, is this me? Everyone who was a receptionist and now a manager thinks that their staff has read it. (laughs) 
right now. <laughs> but you know what? Okay, here's here's the reality of that situation. The reason that so many people are thinking that way is because this is a common common occurrence. It happens in hospitals all the time. And what I mean by that is that so many people in the veterinary fields, particularly in the the management sector, got to where they are because they were promoted from within on longevity and or likability factor within their clinic, not because they had any actual practical hands-on skills to do the job. And I think that that's a big piece of this, um, the email we got, that's a, that's a big piece of the puzzle for them, right? Well, so, so I think that that's, that's often true. I think these people move up, they move for a couple of reasons. So number one is longevity. Like you said, the person who's been there the longest, maybe the owner has the best relationship with this person, they get moved up. The other things that I see is that sometimes people are really good at being at the front desk or they're really good at being a technician. So what do we do? We take them and we make them in charge of other people, mm-hmm. which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, your ability to your technical skill as a technician does not in any way relate to your ability to lead other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are technicians out there who are not good, technically skilled technicians, but they're excellent head technicians or they're excellent managers. I mean, we're moving past the days when you have to be able to do everyone's job better than they do in order to be the manager mm-hmm. or the leader. And that, mm-hmm. that stuff is over. And I, I say my technicians could do a heck of a lot better job than I do placing catheters, you know, um, even, you know, monitoring anesthesia, th- things like that. Because mm-hmm. they do it all the time. And, and I delegate to them and I rely on them. So of course they're going to be better than me, but that doesn't mean that they don't listen to me or that I'm not effective in, in running a team, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's it. So there's, you know, it's, it's the classic Peter principle too. We promote people up until they struggle and fail and then we leave them there, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I fully expect that's probably what happened with this person. She's probably wonderful. Uh, at, at her job and she moved and as a result you go wow she's the most reliable employee we have she really does a great job at the front desk she needs to be the manager at which point you're totally asking her to do things that are not in her skill set they're not in her training they may not be in her interest level mm-hmm. and she struggles and so what happens well we're not going to demote her and put her back down and we don't want to let her go because we don't have anybody else and and she does a lot of things right and I don't like conflict, so we're not going to talk about what's happening. <laughs> and now we're in this purgatory mm-hmm. from which we, you and I get emails. Mm-hmm. No, and it's totally true. And and this is this is not the first conversation that that you or I has had about this topic. I think that was the first thing both of us said was like, "Oh, okay, we got this email, but this is not the first time we've had somebody ask about this exact situation." And it's one of the areas where I think we really struggle as a profession. Um, and I think for for me, the way that I look at it is, is coming from a place of good intentions. I think that when you have practice owners who are looking at their team and they're looking at their rock star CSR or their amazing head technician um, or their, or their, you know, kick butt kennel lead. And they're like, okay, this person is awesome at their job. I want to, 
um, you know, I want to reward them and I'm either going to give them more skills or give them more tasks. I'm going to give them more money or I'm going to do a combination of both. Like that's how I'm going to reward them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in this situation, nobody really stops to ask, is this something that you want to do? Or maybe they say, Hey, how would you like a promotion or how would you like a raise? Well, who's going to say no to that? Like, if that's how the question is asked, who's going to say no to that? You And you're exactly right. It, who Who's going to say no to a promotion or a raise? And one of the things I think is interesting is that we have this idea, it is a cultural idea in vet medicine, that progression leads to management. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I question that assumption. You know, I, I really do think that at least now, if you have a technician who's amazing and she is awesome and she's a, motivated and she's learning and she wants to learn, moving her into management and taking her off the floor is honestly, that may be a terrible strategy. And now with, with technician specialization, with advanced training, with continuing education, lots of CE options, we can continue to invest into people and grow them and develop them and train them mm-hmm. in ways that don't involve moving them to management, which they may not like. So you and I talk about the three pieces of a good fit. And this can be for, for a job. It can just be for delegating a task. It's asking somebody to help you with a project, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have capacity for it? Mm-hmm. And so yep. those are three big questions that people don't ask. They mm-hmm. just go, oh, well, obviously Michael would like to be promoted. Mm-hmm. Let's move him up. And nobody says, well, does he want the thing that you're moving him to? Is mm-hmm. that what Michael wants? Is he interested in that? Number two is, does he get it? Which means, does he understand what the point of this position is? Does mm-hmm. he understand what's expected of him? Does mm-hmm. he really understand the dynamics at play and what it means to be successful? And the last thing is, does he have capacity for it? Does he have the knowledge that he needs to do this job? Mm-hmm. Does he have the time that he needs to do this job? Mm-hmm. If He's, you know, if he's a technician and he's out of the clinic, say his shift ends at 3 p.m. every day, he starts early and he works till three mm-hmm. because he has to go and get his kid from, from daycare, from aftercare. Mm-hmm. If you want to give him a job that works from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., he may not have the capacity to handle that job. Like he, mm-hmm. he and, and he would probably not want that job. He would say mm-hmm. to you, that job is not of interest to me because of these constraints. But we mm-hmm. don't often even stop and think about that. And Mm -hmm. so when I jump back to the email that we got, that's my first question is when I look at this manager, does she get it? Mm -hmm. Meaning, does she really understand what her, what her role is or what her job is? I also wonder if the person writing the email gets it Mm -hmm. because you don't know what's been told to this manager. Mm -hmm. Does, Does she believe that she's supposed to be managing these people? Does she believe that there's a problem with how these people are being managed? If she's not getting that feedback, or if this really isn't in her job description, then then us on the outside who go, I don't know why she doesn't do more. Maybe that's not her job. You know, I I, I don't I don't know. So does she get it? Well, and that's one of the things that came to mind when I first read it, um, because the the wording was, um, this person was promoted to office manager, but has no management experience. So the question that immediately sprung to my mind, not only about does the person, does the individual understand what their job is, but 
I think a huge piece of the onus for that goes to the practice owner. Has the practice owner defined the job and have they explained it to not only the person who's doing the job, but the rest of the team? And that's where I see a lot of the time in practices, um, the for me, office manager often is a nebulous position. And I see a lot of clinics that really struggle with that because it isn't very clearly defined and or um, the actual expectation and the definition is much narrower than a lot of other people's definition of it might be. And so I wonder if that is the case here. Like when I think about office manager, I think about someone who's maybe doing inventory tasks, maybe, um, helping control like the office supply budget, maybe paying the bills, um, maybe a little bit of bookkeeping, but I don't think about the full breadth of a job description for a practice manager, which to me would it include things like HR, it developing and writing an employee handbook, um, creating protocols and um, running, you know, running regular staff meetings. Those are all kind of things that in my head, fall more into a practice manager role. And so my question is, what is what has the clinic defined as an office manager role? And does everybody understand that piece of it? Right. I completely agree. I, I think I think this person may have been set up for failure from the beginning, getting mm-hmm. grabbed out of the front desk, moved into this role. I'm curious as to how clearly the job description was laid out as far as what the expectations were. were. Um, I wonder how much training she received. I, I would expect, you know, the email says that she didn't have any going in. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much she's supporting support she's gotten since then. So are the expectations clear for her? I don't know. I have questions. Does, does she want it? Does she want this job? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a massive question. It seems to me, and again, we're making some assumptions based on what we're reading here. It seems to me that there are probably things that she's good at. Like you said, inventory, some bookkeeping stuff, things like that. There are things that she's not good at, which is motivating change, mm-hmm. managing people, giving feedback, you know, uh, keeping good workers happy and keeping mm-hmm. less than good workers motivated. Does does she want, does she want this job? And I think it's really important that, that you said that things like, um, create, helping create change, motivating team members, um, you know, the supervision aspect of it and the, really the on the floor human resources aspect of that, that is something that does absolutely 100% require training and require knowledge. And if you are not creating opportunities for your people to get that knowledge, if they didn't come into the job with it, then that is where for me, it's a failure on um, the practice owner or the practice leadership's part, because that is not something that you know, just because you're a people person and you are a rock star CSR and you can handle client complaints all day long. That does not mean that in any way, shape or form, you are capable or set up for success to manage on the floor from an HR perspective. That is absolutely something that you need to have training and um, the opportunity to learn how to do. Yeah, for me, that's capacity. So does she get it? Does she understand what's expected of her? Does she understand what it means to be in this role? And uh, that's not maybe a failing on her part. It's just, is a, it's an honest to God question. Mm-hmm. Does she get it? Does she want it? And honestly, guys, I see so many people who move up to management and they never really wanted to be in management. I see veterinarians that own practices all the time mm-hmm. who they were the associate vet 
and the owner was going to retire. And so they stepped up because somebody needed to own the place mm-hmm. and they don't want to be a practice owner yet. They are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. And the last is capacity. Do they have the skills? Do they have the knowledge and the training? Do they have the time and the patience to pull this off? And mm-hmm. so when I look at these things, before we even start talking about any specific behaviors, does she get it? Does she want it? Does she have the capacity for it? And if the answer to one of those is no, this is going to be an uphill battle. And I especially think that that is true because the in the end the end part of the email, um, you know, this um, this listener was saying that their boss is not a confrontational person and that they're turning a blind eye to the situation. I don't. It may or may not be an actual blind eye, but I think the the bigger challenge is when you have practice owners who are not confrontational people, um, they often um, put someone in a management role because they are asking someone to do the things that they absolutely hate doing or know that they are not good at, um, but they because they are n- not necessarily good at those things they definitely aren't doing the training on how to do the, those things. And so often the person that they are empowering in that role really isn't um, functionally empowered to do their job. And so I would I would um, probably say that a piece of the, the solution puzzle here for me would be suggesting that a conversation take place between this um, employee and the practice owner and just saying, hey, here's some of my concerns. This is how I feel like this is affecting me. And I need your help to try and solve this problem because maybe I don't have the whole picture. Maybe I maybe I don't have the whole story. Maybe this person only really truly has a part of the job description that I think that they're supposed to have. And I would love to know that because I am at the point where I feel so frustrated that I am considering giving up. And if, um, if you are an engaged employee, your boss is going to hear that. They're going to want to hear that cry for help and help you make a change because they're not going to want to lose you. Right. I think that you put your finger right on it, which is everybody wants to swing the spotlight around on this office manager. I think you push the spotlight back over to the left so it mm-hmm. points at the at the owner and put your finger right there. The biggest mistake that practice owners make with managers, and it's the cyclical feedback, but here it is, and this wrecks. It, it holds back at least so many practices. The owner does not want to give candid, kind, direct feedback to the manager. Mm-hmm. They don't want the confrontation. They don't want to tell him or her what they think about what's going on. They don't want to tell them what they did that was good. They don't want to tell them what what they don't like and explain why they don't like it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so because they're unwilling to do that, it, they take a different path, which is simply to not support the manager. And so, uh, so say I'm the practice owner and you're, and you're my manager, I'm not going to give you direct feedback because I don't want to be confrontational. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't like to manage you. I don't want to <laughs> lead you. So I'm just not going to be direct and say, I don't like this idea, Steph, or this isn't working for me. Or, you know, Hey, we tried that. I don't feel like it's going where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have that conversation with you. So instead I'm just going to nod my head when you tell me what you want to do. And then I'm going to circumvent you and, and not, and not support you. Oh my God. It's painful to hear you say that because I, I have been in that position and I, I 
immediately the picture formed in my mind of of what that looks like in practice. And I I know that I'm not I know that there are going to be listeners out there who are feeling the exact same way because it's true and it's not it's not being done um, to be intentionally cruel, but the results are that way because what you're left with are managers who are feel like they're twisting out in the wind and they have no they have no support, they have no structure because they're not a part of the team. They don't have they don't have the support from the team, and if they don't have the support from the, the practice owner, it truly feels like an island unto yourself, and that's a really really crappy place to be. Yeah, and like I said, I see it all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let's not hang this office manager out to dry without swinging the light around and really putting on the owner and be like. Excuse me, sir. I wonder if you are avoiding managing your manager, who's the one person that you need to manage. Like, if you're the owner, you have to still manage one person, and that's your manager, your hospital manager. Mm -hmm. And so I think the owner may be shirking his responsibility here, and he is setting this poor office manager up for failure. He's not giving her clear expectations. He's not giving her ongoing feedback to say, you're doing this well. I need you to change this behavior. Um, and, and it doesn't sound necessarily like he's giving her training and support, which she's probably not asking for because she is not simply not doing the things that you would need uh, that training for. Mm-hmm. And so that's why mm-hmm. things have kind of sat down into stasis. So I want to be totally fair to her and say, I'm concerned this person has been set up for failure. Um that's sad. I think tricks for moving forward, strategies for moving forward. I think that you were exactly right earlier when you said this writer is probably going to be better off going to the owner and saying, this is what I see in the practice. And I'm saying this because I care about our practice and I like it here a lot. Okay. I'm getting, I'm getting very frustrated and I I'm hoping that you will be willing to make some changes or I would like to help you make some changes. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you start to put yourself out there. Okay. So, so what do we do with this manager? I, I think we've got a couple of options. I'm trying to figure out how exactly to set this up. Let's say, um, l- let's say that, let's say that you're the practice owner and you decide to address the situation. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do, Stephanie? Oh man, that's a good question. I think um I think the the first thing that I would do is like we talked about looking at what is what is my ownership in the situation here. Did I did I clearly lay out the expectation? Have I told them this is the job that I expect to be done and this is the expectation for the level of job that I expect to be done? And if the answer to both of those things is yes, then I think the conversation goes one way, but it if the answer to either or both of those is no, then I think it's so easy to start the conversation and just say, hey, I feel like I might have failed you. And I feel like I might not have done such a great job of laying out there for you the job that I want you to do and how I expect for it to be done. And so I would like to have a conversation and make sure that we're both on the same page. Can we can we sit down and just make sure that that we're both going forward in the same direction? And it's, it's as easy as starting there and really lay, then laying out what is it that you want and expect from this role, right? Totally. It's the power of vulnerability. So I think I might not have 
been fair to you when we started, or I may not have given you what you needed. I, I like that. That that opens up a productive conversation in, in my experience. And start with expectations. Let's and, talk about what what needs to needs to happen. And so so set those down. Check in meetings. I let's let's get a plan so mm-hmm. you and I can have ongoing feedback and talks. And you know that I'm a mm-hmm. big believer in this. Uh, weekly check in meetings with yes. with between the owner and the manager. Talk to this person. You know, stay in touch. Let give them a designated time that they can tell you what's on their mind, and you can talk to them, guys. This is how you stop people from banging on the door all the time. You're trying to get stuff done and coming and talking to you in surgery. You give them a designated outlet where they know they're going to get to talk to you mm-hmm. and they get stuff done. Stephanie and I had our check-in meeting this morning. We do it mm-hmm. every Thursday morning and mm-hmm. without fail. And mm-hmm. that's how we communicate and we get stuff done. And so that check-in meeting, I'm going to commit to ongoing communication with you. I'm going to give you feedback. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you what's good and I'm going to tell you what's bad. And I always tell people, you know, when I speak, I'll, I'll say to the audience, raise your hand if you wish that someone would give you gentle feedback about how you're doing in your job. Every <laughs> hand goes up. Yeah. I don't want to know how we're doing. So, so commit to that. So mm-hmm. let's talk about what is, expected, what is expected of you. What is your job description? Let me commit to some, some regular check-in meetings with you to talk about how things are going. Let me commit to giving you feedback and you can give me feedback and you tell me what you need from me. And, you know, this is a two way street. I managers should be able to say to the owners, this is frustrating when you do this. You and I had a conversation like an hour ago when you said, Andy, it's frustrating when you do this thing and it makes it makes it confusing. And I say, oh, I see how that would be confusing. I will work on that behavior. You know, but mm-hmm. we have that relationship and I right. think it makes us a better team. I know it makes us a better team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's- and, and the other thing I was thinking about is for our practice owners who who might be listening, who are like, that's great. I realized that I maybe didn't do such a great job of laying out what my what the job should be or um, what my expectations are, because I have absolutely no idea what the job is. I just know that I don't want to do it. So that's why I put you in the role. I, I want to throw you, a, you guys a bone and say that there is an excellent resource out there. The VHMA, the Veterinary Hospital Managers Association, actually has pre-written job descriptions that talk about the differences between an office manager role, a practice manager role, and a hospital administrator role. And um, it's a great place to start to understand what some of the nuanced differences are between those because there there definitely are differences. And it also will, will help you probably kind of put your brain together and say, okay, these things that are applicable to our practice or, or aren't, um, and give you a starting point. So um, they, they have that as an option, as a reference. Um, and I think it's available through the website. I can't remember if you have to be a member or not to access it, but um, it's a good starting point if you don't know where to start. Well, let's, let's talk about job descriptions because that's a big part of this is what is, what is this person's job description? Mm-hmm. I want to shake people who make the following mistake with job descriptions. There's so many people who think I need to have an office manager. I need to have a practice manager because that's what people tell me I'm supposed to have. Hey, Hey Bill, would you like to be the practice manager? And then they, 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 they bring them in or they pull some job description and go, here you go. 
I that frustrates the heck out of me. Here's here's how we think about practice, guys. Here's how you think about business in general. Start with the end in mind. What the heck are we doing here? What do you want? What mm-hmm. do you want help with? And then you create a job description that accomplishes what you need to accomplish. And if you don't know what you need to accomplish, I'm not sure you're ready to hire somebody yet. Right. And that doesn't mean you don't have enough work. It means you need to get your head straight about what the mm-hmm. hell you're looking for and, and, and be able to articulate it. It is, if I can't articulate to you, Stephanie, what I want you to do, we, we're in, we're in a tough place. I, what I, what I don't want to do is, is say to you, I don't know what this means. Come be my manager. You can make it up as you go. (laughs) And that's probably what happened in this case that we're getting, as they said, Mm -hmm. why don't you come be the office manager? And in her mind, she figured out what that meant for her and other people Mm -hmm. had different ideas of what it means to them. And no one's really clear because it was never laid down. Mm -hmm. And so when you want to do job descriptions, look at them, reverse Mm -hmm. engineer them. What Mm -hmm. do you want to have happen? Mm -hmm. If the perfect person is doing the job perfectly, what is being accomplished? And you start with that. That's how you make the job description. Start with it. Even in the template that you were talking about from VHMA, start with it, look at it, go through it and go, yes, all of these things would be helpful. And then you need to add your own. In my opinion, you need to start saying, what the heck do I want to have happen and customize it. And guys, throw away the flowery, flowery language. I don't give a crap. And we focus so much on this thing looking like a polished resume. It needs mm-hmm. to function. Everything else is just window dressing. Mm-hmm. Write me a functional document that explains what you want the outcomes to be mm-hmm. and what you want me to do. And now we have something that's worth a crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so- I... I, I think that that's where a lot of practices really struggle is is how do how do I make the leap from what I think I'm supposed to have based on what someone's told me or what I read in a book or what I heard when I went to a, a conference and somebody told me that I should have this thing. How do you make the leap from knowing that to actually having a functional living, breathing thing happening in your practice. That is a very big leap to make. It is a really big leap. And in some ways, the forms, the examples can hold you back because they, you know, they, they're, they're almost too crystal. And Mm -hmm. once you see them, you grab onto them Mm -hmm. and your options seem to disappear, right? Your flexibility (laughs) comes down. So that Mm -hmm. is really the scary part. The that is the downside of grabbing something that is a template. And I'm not (laughs) saying don't do it. But I'm saying, hear me when I say your creative capacity just crashes down. It's why musicians won't listen to other musicians sometimes when they're writing. It's because I don't want to make a song that sounds like that guy's song. Right. And I feel like that happens a lot in in, in management and businesses. I don't want to grab too tightly onto this. So what the heck does that mean? So let's say that, let's put ourselves into this role again. So I'm the practice owner. You're the practice manager. We mm-hmm. do not have a job description for you that that makes any sense that accomplishes our goals. And so we've just had this conversation and I said, Steph, I, look, I, I think I may have let you down here. I don't think that I have set up clear expectations. I don't think that I have, have told you what's expected. I don't think that I know what's expected. Mm-hmm. Will you help me create a job description so that everybody agrees on what you're doing and everybody knows what you're doing? And we can move forward with that. And when we start, 
the way, so the, what that means to me is I'm going to go away and I'm going to write the things that I think that you do mm-hmm. or the things that you should do. Mm-hmm. And I want you to go away and I want you to write the things that you do and the things you should do. Cause let's be honest in this practice, I guarantee there are things that she does that the owner does not know that she does. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I guarantee when you sit down and have this conversation, there is absolutely going to be a look of shock on probably at some point both of your faces. And the practice owner is going to go, oh, you're doing that? I had no idea. I guarantee it. Yep, totally. And this is about being fair to everybody. And it's not about criticizing the manager for the past. Mm -hmm. It's about coming up with a system to move forward effectively. Mm -hmm. And so I'll make my list. You make your list. And then when we get back together, then we'll pull the template or we'll pull an outside list or we'll use some other job description that we've gotten. And we'll put those three documents together and we will start to figure out what makes sense. What is this job description? So we end up putting together a job description like that. And And now we've got something that makes sense and we've agreed upon it. And I can start to hold you accountable and you can start to hold me accountable because you said, this is what you said you would do, mm-hmm. or this is not part of the job description that we worked out. How do you imagine us going forward? We can have those more productive conversations mm-hmm. and then we move on. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with all that? I totally do. And the only things that I would add to it is, um, one of the things for me that I would want to know is, um, of my practice owner is what is, um, what are things that are on this list that you feel like you can um, help teach me how you want it done? And what are things that you have put on this list? Because either you absolutely have no idea how to do them or you absolutely hate doing them and, and they're, they're a no go for you. Like, cause practice owners, a, a lot of why they're asking for help is because they, the things fall into one of those two categories. They have no idea how to do it or they hate doing it. And so I, I, as an, as a manager, um, always want to know the why. And so that is absolutely one of the questions that I would ask is what is on this list that you don't have any preparation to teach me how to do, because that's going to give you a very concrete list of things that you can go and look for outside training on. And the resources are so vast out there, Um, but it's going to give you a list to start with. And then also the things that, that are on the list of things that the owner really struggles with and really can't stand because that is an area that is going to allow you to make an immediate, um, hugely impactful, um, it's going to create a hugely impactful experience for you. If you are able to start digging away at those things, because it is going to matter personally so much more to your practice owner. And that for me is a way to feel like I have an easy success. So if you, Andy said to me, you know, I, one of the things I put on this list is, um, you know, entering the bills into QuickBooks because I, I would rather scratch my eyeballs out than sit in front of the computer and enter the bills into QuickBooks. If I take that task on and I know how to do it, or I quickly figure out how to do it, the gratitude that I'm going to experience from you is going to be so overwhelming. It really allows you to quickly feel good about the job that you are 
doing because having this conversation in the first place is probably going to make you feel kind of crappy about the job that you have been doing because you may have been feeling that you were doing an awesome job and there's that moment of self-doubt where you're just like, oh, maybe I wasn't doing such a great job. And I don't think it's, um, I think that's just human nature. I would feel that way. Even if the conversation went super well, I would think, oh, okay, wait, am I doing something wrong? Am I falling short? And so for me, asking those clarifying questions of a practice owner gives me a way to tangibly know what can I start to do right away that's going to make a difference. Well, those are great points. As if I was coaching the practice owner that was going to go have this conversation, one of the points I would really hammer home is to say this conversation is not a criticism or an evaluation of previous performance. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation about developing a new job description. And it may be the same title. It probably is the same title. But this is about, you've Steph, you've, you've done a fantastic job. You know I love working with you. I don't think that I have been clear about what the job needs to be or where it needs to go. And I want to make sure that you're still feeling supported mm-hmm. and that you're feeling like you have room to grow. So let's talk about 2019, second half of the year and 2020 and mm-hmm. what the office manager position looks like. So that's the conversation I would really make sure I had is not mm-hmm. about, and I would do everything to remove the past from the conversation. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to be like, Oh, remember when you didn't do this thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that. I am purely mm-hmm. going to look to the future and talk about how we can support you and and you can support the practice. And so I would definitely take that. As far as you asking for training or resources, you're right. There are um, a bajillion of them out there. You know, if only there was one that <laughs> was ongoing and super positive and you just got mentorship 24-7 whenever you reached out and people were just cheering you on and they had very customized, personalized education like choose your own adventure sessions at the conferences where you could just make up what you wanted and then people would actually make it happen. You know, that, that would be the resource though. Oh man, that would be awesome if there was something like that out there. God, I wish that existed. I wish that existed. <laughs> Well, you know, um, as we've been talking about this, I was thinking that for those of you guys who are listening to this and are thinking, oh man, like this is that one of you 800 who are thinking, this is me. I, I resemble what they're talking about. Are they talking about me? Are they talking about my clinic right now? Um, I happen to have had a great conversation, uh, with one of our speakers who is going to be presenting in August. Um, is it, Bash Hallow? Is it Bash Hallow? It is not Bash Hollow. Oh, that guy's um, amazing. Who who else could it be? Is awesome. Um, this is actually one of our Uncharted member speakers, Julianne Evenhaus, and she is um, a field leader for a practice, and she works with. Uh, she's a multi-site manager and works with a bunch of practices on the East Coast, and she is actually going to be doing a workshop exactly about this topic and talking about um, the point that you brought up, which is how do you take a job description? How do you how do you create a job description and then how do you turn it into a living, breathing, functional thing that exists in your practice that, that makes it, um, that makes it, uh, possible for you to do your job and feel like, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing what you're doing. 
And so she's going to be leading one about creating job descriptions and stuff. So if you're thinking, hmm, I would really love to take a class about that, we have an opportunity for you in Kansas City. Totally. Yeah, it'll be great. We're actually going to, we'll try to record a podcast uh, in Kansas City instead of the usual kennel that we broadcast from. (laughs) I know. Sorry. The the FedEx guy came to the door. (laughs) You can't can't time that, right? Like there's, there's no, there's no controlling the barking of Birdie Goss when the FedEx guy comes to the door. (laughs) That's just how life happens. (laughs) It is. All right. So let's bring this back. Um, So we're talking about support and training. We're talking about having this conversation, looking at the future, making a job description. It should be a results-based document. This is not formality. This needs to accomplish a thing. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it has incomplete sentences. I don't care if it has typos. It's more important to me that it means something and it's clear about what do we want and actually what you want to accomplish than that it looks really pretty on this you know, nice yep. stationery. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. One piece that I want to say here. So, so let's, let's swing back around to the case in point and we're looking at this and we've got our office manager and let's just say that the job description does include all the things that, that our writers spoke about, you know, having staff meetings, mm-hmm. you know, changing behaviors, motivating the staff that don't want to work that hard. You know, mm-hmm. those are the things. Our office manager is worried about micromanaging and doesn't want to do this. Maybe she could be coached into effective managing and, you know, and, and come to feel like she's doing her job without micromanaging. That might be possible. It might also be possible that this is just not in her skill set, that this is just not, she does not get it. She's not, you know, she doesn't get managing people, which is not, it's not a moral thing, guys. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means it's not one of your skills. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of looking at reality. And so let's go back and and let's play this game again. I'm the office manager or I'm the owner. You're the office manager. This has been about a year now. So you say we're, we're a year in and I've just gotten, I've just had a, a communication with the, with one of my staff who says, Hey, look, Stephanie's not doing it. She's not motivating people. She's not managing blah, 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 blah. You and I are going to come and we're going to have this conversation. It is not wrong to take out the scalpel and cut away pieces of the job description. Mm -hmm. Just as I said, it should be a document focused on results. It doesn't mean that Stephanie is the wrong person for the job. I'm not saying I have to get rid of Stephanie or I need to demote her. Mm-hmm. If she is crushing inventory and bookkeeping and front desk stuff and she's helping out in communications and she's generating, uh, uh, you know, strategic plans and she's doing all these things that are fantastic. She's just not an HR person. Well, I can take out my scalpel and cut that part of the job description away. And then maybe I don't need the manager to do that. Maybe that's a head technician job. You know, maybe Mm. I keep Stephanie where she is. She's the office manager. She does all of these things, but the HR stuff goes to our head technician who then gets moved up, who then maybe she gets the training. Maybe Mm -hmm. she gets to develop. Maybe she gets to come up. Maybe she gets the raise or the bonus or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I have found that to be very effective. I don't think that you look at somebody who's 80% the right person and cast them away because mm-hmm. there's 20% of the job that they're not good at. Right. I think it's dumb. I think it's take, what I have always done is I have 
taken that 20% they're not good at. I've taken that away from them. And then I have given them new stuff to grow into new things that fit with their skill and go, Oh, Stephanie's not doing this now, but I think she'd be excellent at it. And if I remove these other things, she mm-hmm. now has the capacity to grow here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now Stephanie is excited because she's growing in areas that she excels at. She's playing to her strengths and I'm taking away the things that she doesn't like. And she knows she's not good at. Mm-hmm. I'm taking those away. And so Stephanie feels great. Imagine if someone came to you and took the crappiest 10% of your job away and mm-hmm. gave you the opportunity to expand into something that you really like. You would love it. What is important to note here is that what you think is the crappiest part of your job is the top part of someone else's job. Yes. Yes. I and- totally want that management job of handling people, not so much the part where I'm dealing with spreadsheets and inventory and organizational schedules. And mm-hmm. other people are exactly flipped. Give them the schedules, give them a closed office door, and they are in heaven. That's my point. Mm-hmm. And and I think the only the only thing that I would add to that is a caveat that it is very important if you have set the ground for good, open and honest communication, I think you as a practice owner can absolutely take a scalpel to the job description. I think it will be even more impactful if you do it together and have a conversation and just say, um, you know, what, this is, this is how I um, feel. How do you feel about this? Because if a practice owner gave me the opportunity, if you, Andy, came to me and said, hey, Steph, I see where you're in, we're checking in, we're talking about how things are going. I've given you an opportunity to tell me how you think things are going. How would you feel if we took X, Y, and Z that you just mentioned off of your plate and we, you know, gave it to Danielle or we did whatever, you know, we'll figure that part out, but let's just talk about taking it off your plate for right now, because I've thought about this piece that maybe um, feels like it'd be a really good fit for your skill. How do you feel about that? I, as an employee and just as a person, I would feel so good about saying, yeah, that is absolutely the stuff that I suck at or that is absolutely the stuff that I just can't stand. And I would love that. It opens up that door to have the vulnerable communication to to say, to be okay to say, I don't like doing this or I really am failing at it or to say, you know what, it's not that I don't like this or it's not that I feel like I'm a big fat failure, but I could use some more training or some more education or, you know, this is what I feel like would help me get better at that because sometimes it's just a matter of, acknowledging what you need to be successful. You might not have hit the end point where you have acknowledged that you are not successful at that thing. You might be in that middle ground, but by coming to me and, and making it a two way conversation, it doesn't feel like you're taking it away from me because you think I suck at my job. It, it really feels like, Hey, let's do this together. We are going to craft a job description that really works to maximize your your strengths and your potential and really minimizes your challenges and pairs you with people who excel in those areas to, to make your challenges something that's easier for you to overcome. And that's something that you taught me is how much it means to ask someone, Hey, can I take this off your plate? Would you be okay if we took this somewhere else and allow and so that you could be freed up to do this other thing? And the reason I say you taught me that is because I'm so results oriented mm-hmm. that the idea 
that it would not be okay for me to take this thing off of the plate. That just doesn't register in my mind. You know, I'm like, of course she's going to want me to take this thing. And, 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 and you, you sort of taught me, hey, for a lot of people, if you come and take something away from them, they, they feel shame or they feel, they feel like you're really ripping this thing away without giving them the chance to relinquish it on their own and sort of say, I see what, what the path is and now I'm comfortable letting go. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, that was a growing experience for me over the last couple of years of going, oh, it, you know, it's one of those things too, where it takes, it takes a little bit more time and it takes a little mm-hmm. bit more patience. It is absolutely a hundred thousand percent worth it to have that conversation in that way of, can I take this off so that you can do these other things? Would that be okay with you? And then letting them tell you, yes, that that's okay. And sometimes they, it, you, people go, well, what if they say no? If they say no, ask them why. Mm-hmm. You, know, you and I have had that conversation. Yeah. Why do you, why do you want to keep it? And, 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 all of these things make you, they make you a better team. They make you a better leader. They make, uh, they make everything go more smoothly. And it, this is about engagement and buy-in. So having those conversations is absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. kind of where I'm at. And I think the only other piece um, is that I would say to the, to the part towards the end where the listener was saying that they are super frustrated and they're at the point where they feel like they need to find a new job if the situation doesn't change. I think that that is... Um, it's very important self um, realization. And I think it's really important for you to share that with your practice owner and take the opportunity to, to be brave and be vulnerable and just share that with them. Say that you're frustrated and you're coming to them because like you said previously, Eddie, like you really do love your job. You love the clinic. You really care about what is happening and you feel like you need their help to solve the problem and then ask them for how they can help you. Don't make it about the manager because that is where it comes off as like, I'm tattletelling or I'm, you know, I'm super irritated with this person. Talk about how you as an, as a part of the team can help with the solution or where you could help in other areas so that the practice owner could focus on trying to make a solution for that because they need to hear that you're frustrated. Yeah, I completely agree. We've talked about this. I think we've got some other episodes of the podcast where we've talked about giving feedback up, up the chain. I'll look back. If we don't, we, we need to do some. You can, you can communicate a lot of things if you come from a place of kindness and compassion. When you go and you say, I'm having this conversation with you because I really love it here. I've been here a long time. I like you as a boss. I like working for you. Now I'm going to lay out why I'm here. You know, you get a long way. Even, I mean, hard conversations, you know, I'm going to have this, this conversation with you. If I have to let an employee go, Hmm. I'm going to come and say, I don't think this is working and I don't think that you're happy and I don't know that you're going to be happy and I don't want you to be stuck here and I don't want us to be frustrated and I don't want you to be frustrated and I don't want to be resentful and I don't want you to be resentful. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is where we part ways. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have that conversation. I don't think there's necessarily a better way than to say, I care about you and that's why I'm going to have this conversation. And so what I would say to our writer as well is, I think you can have that conversation with the owner and see what he says. You can't make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. 
Mm-hmm. And so he he may not do anything or he may turn a blind eye. At that point, I think you need to start talking about and thinking about what is kind for yourself. Mm-hmm. And and you start talking about some self-care. Mm-hmm. And so you, everybody's heard me say this many times before. We choose how we suffer in this life. And you get to pick. And do you want to suffer because you work at a clinic where the people are kind of unmanaged and some people work and other people freeload? Or do you want to suffer because you're going to have to go find another job okay. and who knows what you're walking into? Mm-hmm. And that's not, I'm not, I'm not leaning one way or the other, but that is the choice that you are making every day. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to stay, then decide that you're going to stay and accept that you're going to stay and accept that things are the way that they are and, and be mm-hmm. happy. And if you're going mm-hmm. to go, then then accept that that is the choice that you made. Know that you needed to make that choice and it was the healthiest choice for you and go forward and find your way. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no right or wrong here. Uh, I, I, that resentment, that day-to-day anger and frustration, that, eat, that eats people alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Thanks for doing this, Steph. Yeah, this is a good one. Thanks, uh, thanks for to our anonymous writer for writing in it's been really fun to hear the questions that you guys have and um i love getting mail in the podcast um email so if you guys are thinking about it and you have something that you want to ask us or you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast our email is podcast at unchartedvet.com so you guys can shoot us an email and we would love to hear from you have a great week guys bye guys And that is what we've got today. Guys, if you would like for Stephanie and me to tackle questions that you have, go ahead and write them down on email. Shoot them to podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. As you saw today, we are totally happy to keep things confidential and anonymous. Just give us enough background so that we can answer your question And get into the specifics, because that's really where the magic happens. Gang, take care of yourselves. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.